Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I am thrilled to have Silicon Valley veteran and author Alex Goryachev as our guest today. Alex is a former managing director of Cisco's Global Innovation Center and has recently released a new book called Fearless Innovation, a no-nonsense guide going beyond the buzzword to continuously drive growth and improve the bottom line. Alex has a wealth of knowledge to share with us today. So, Alex, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Hi, Corey. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And as I was talking to you off the uh, off camera before we began, I love that you've taken on this this innovation word uh, the way you have with, with your book, because um, a lot of companies are sort of like needing, they need to see themselves within your pages and employees too need to see themselves. Um, but before we begin, I would like you to tell us a little bit about some uh, like about your background and how you became interested in technology and innovation. Well, I think when I, I had no choice. Um, when I was about uh, 15 years old, I came to the United States and I didn't really speak a lot of English. So I found out that conversing with computers was a bit more easier than conversing with humans. Fast forward uh, many years, I do like conversing with humans more. Although it's kind of tricky when I start nowadays, there's this chat GPT thing. I start talking to a computer and sometimes it feels like a human. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit confused. But bottom line is, uh, when I was a kid, I got involved with computers and the World Wide Web. At the time, it was uh, starting up, and I'm what I'd call a digital native. I kind of built this thing as uh, as it grew. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know there's definitely a generation of people who, as the computer technology thing happened, you were either person who who got it or you didn't. And I was sort of like in the middle, <laughs> but uh, so I kind of balanced both worlds at least. But now I know that, you know, that's a big part of who you are, but also this book taps into that. So what was your inspiration for writing Fearless Innovation? I think my inspiration was working with companies around the world and seeing that um, just like adults or humans, as uh, as companies get older, they get stuck. And I feel they uh, develop tunnel vision or myopia or whatever that is, a sign of aging. And they stop um, listening to the outside perspective or the inner voice of truth. And they kind of start believing their own propaganda. And I feel that's where innovation comes in. And it's essential for companies to stay innovative, to remain relevant and be great places to work as well. Yeah. Well, you know, and I would just hold up your books. I have a copy of your book here. I may, may get out of the light so people can actually actually see it. You know, in the book, what I love too is, you know, you kind of use it or you call it out as like this buzzword that a lot of companies love to use, or right? it's always great. Oh, we have to be innovative. We have to be innovative. But then they aren't always willing to do those things because like you just said, they're kind of stuck. So what are some of the things that a company should do to get unstuck and actually be innovative versus just throwing the word around as a buzzword? 
Great point. As I write in the book, I think um, with a lot of leaders, if you actually ask them what innovation means, they will quickly make their way for the exit as they <laughs> do not have the talking point on what, yeah. what that is, right? And I feel that when we have a small business or we work for a big business, we have to be pragmatic. So that whole innovation concept needs to be rather defined and measured. Like if we're in the workplace, what are we trying to achieve? If we want to be innovative with our school system or small business, whatever that is, let's be pragmatic. And I think the first step is defining what are the outcomes that the companies want to achieve through innovation. And actually, instead of creativity, which is beautiful chaos, and I'm not denying it, let's begin with a pragmatic metric. What is it that we want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I know I, I noticed that there were some points that you actually, you call those out. I mean, kind of very actionable things. Like, for example, like you just said, do you know why exactly your organization needs to innovate? You know, that's the first thing to think of. Because, you know, Alex, there are some things that do work well as they are. I mean, I don't know, like, does, does, does everything have to be subject to advancing and progress? I mean, maybe some things do work as they are and a company doesn't need to innovate all the time. What do you think about that? I agree completely. I mean, again, I think the innovation has to be pragmatic and there are many things that work perfectly and they do not need to be digitized or they don't need artificial intelligence. Uh, they work perfectly as they are and leave the good enough alone. I think when the companies want to innovate, they need to innovate out of, uh, for a particular purpose. And that purpose might be increasing efficiency or that uh, purpose could be capturing new markets. And I feel thinking pragmatically, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, a lot of people, they begin thinking about innovation in terms of let's come up with this billion dollar or million dollar idea, or let's disrupt something. Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't believe that's really pragmatic. I think instead of disrupting or trying to earn a biller, let's try to save $10,000. Let's make sure that we develop our product faster and our employees are happier and they go home earlier. Mm -hmm. That's much more rewarding outcome of innovation than yes. just chasing yes. a mindless number. Yeah, I love that. You have two really great points there. One is actually an, you create an environment where your your team, your employees are they feel part of the process. And so they're more content in their work life, they're more content as people. There's a, probably a better work life balance there. But also you bring up what I think is another buzzword, really, the disruptor thing. And I think everybody you great that's a great point. Some people just kind of get into an environment and they feel because they're new they're supposed to touch everything and do something. But I think, you, like you said, the assessment has to happen first of what the company's needs are before you make a move, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And when we think about the, you know, the disruptors, what I've observed in the corporate world, disruptors show up, uh, they disrupt something, and then they quickly get promoted and they move to another company, right? I think, listen, in the, in the age of the internet, we live in the world of rapid co-innovation. And kind of the lonely innovation is a myth. Everything of value that has been created has been created by teams. And when I think about the most valuable skill in the innovation is communication. And when I think about most valuable skill in communication is just shutting up and listening. Mm 
Mm. And yeah. that's what makes innovation happen. Right. And then that's also tied to leadership, right? Because there's mm-hmm. always this sort of like, there are different leaders. There are some who think they have to be the smartest guy in the room. And mm-hmm. very often they're not. And they're not allowing others who probably could give them some great opportunities for growth and advisement. They're not letting them in. So I also wonder when it comes to that, and this is like not really your area when it comes to, I guess, well, it could be tied to it. When I think of the idea of companies being innovative, I think you need to have all perspectives involved, which then opens up the door to the conversation about diversity. Some of the greatest ideas are coming from people who don't even get a chance to have a seat at the table. So where do you see that playing, if at all, in your perspective, into the innovation conversation? I think that's the core of the innovation conversation. Innovation is about diversity because it's about diversity of people coming from a different background and having different points and opinions. Mm. And that is essential. I mean, innovation doesn't happen in the boardroom. Maybe financial engineering does, but not necessarily innovation. Innovation comes from people that face different problems in life and they and they come up with different solutions based on their upbringing, background, just on how they view life. And when mm. they come together, that's when the wonder of uh, be that technology engineering or process engineering comes together. So people with the same background and the kind of same belief system and same worldview and same education are unlikely to solve any particular problem problems or create significant value as compared to the diverse peer group. Actually, if I, if I think about um, why Silicon Valley is so successful, yeah, we can talk about the sunshine or lack of it in, uh, in California and Calif- beautiful Californian wine. French might disagree, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's all about people from all parts of the world coming together with a different perspective. It's the melting pot of cultures and perspectives and the respect and ability to listen. That what makes Silicon Valley so unique is everybody has an opportunity and a voice. They don't need to be somebody from somewhere. They're just humans. And that what makes this place so perfect. Yeah, and the very fact that they've actually been hired by a, a major you know, Silicon Valley company it's already like the, that's the proven credit card or a calling card they need. They don't have to prove anything. They are already there. They're, that's the proof, right? That they belong there because they've been summoned there by a company or one of the big tech firms. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I just want to add this. I mean, who are the people that are built, that built those big companies? They're diverse groups of people uh, from different countries, just like the founders of this country. Founders of those uh, companies came from different places and they went for hardship and they've created this phenomenal uh, companies that we now, that are now household names. So uh, it's the fact that everyone has a chance. And I think that's what's so crucial in innovation. And when I think about kind of innovation uh, for the organizations to stay innovative, it's essential that we listen to the voice of uh, an intern with as much intensity as we listen to the voice of our vice president so that we don't get attached to the titles, but we get attached to diversity of opinions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point too. And also I tie it back to what you just said about America. I have often said that this country would be so farther along. uh, And I mean like by leaps and bounds, technologically, innovatively speaking, if 
the past two centuries, everyone had been invited to have a seat at that table. You know, our history here is that it's been very exclusionary to certain groups. And I thought that's a detrimental thing for the country. You know, that's the, the only person that lost is America by all those innovations never being heard or never being allowed to, um, to, to voice an opinion. So those are great points, how it all ties into diversity. So I, I definitely appreciate that perspective. So when it comes to, now you tapped into, you tapped into this a little bit, but when it comes to the balance of needing to risk take mm-hmm. versus, well, I would say risk take and experimentation versus just balancing the need for everyday productivity. So you mentioned be pragmatic, um, but how do you balance the thing of like experimentation and risk taking versus being sort of, you know, safe? I mean, is there a middle ground between that for, for, for a company? Definitely, because I think if we're not experimenting, we're kind of dying, right? I mean, uh, as humans, I feel it's essential that we take risks. If you think about just kind of human journey, we are where we are, our society or as individuals, because we took risks. Risks as societies or risks as individuals at a certain point of our life. And as we mature, we start, like, I become less risk adverse. So I got to start riding the roller coasters again. <laughs> yeah. Could be roller coasters of life or at the Legoland, but it's about, you know, being open to that. And um, I feel it's essential for the corporations to do the same. I mean, they don't have to risk 100% of their budget, but they might divert 10% from executive uh, compensation to a risk taking. I mean, there's always opportunity to find money in a corporation to go and and take risks. And I feel it's just essential that we companies determine what risks they want to take. And I feel a lot of it is in the process. It's not necessarily about inventing next big thing. But, you know, when we go in an organization, I feel all of us were in a position where we'd say, oh, I know what's wrong here. I wish we could do this one thing differently. Mm. And we'd save, yeah, I'd be happier. We'd save money. It would be faster. Our customers would be better served. But usually there is no, we're either afraid to speak up or there is no one to speak up or it's none of our business. And when we create that environment where people are encouraged to speak up, that's going back to inclusion and diversity and just kind of being humans again, like we are in startups. Mm-hmm then magic happens. Yeah. I wonder too, what impact uh, the pandemic had on innovation? You know, did that give any corporations sort of like a little bit of a cover where they can say, well, you know, we want to innovate, but we have to make up for a lost time in the pandemic. And that's become like their reasoning now. I mean, did you see any sort of impact on innovation at companies because of COVID-19? I think the impact is um, is tremendous. And if I, uh, there's a couple of things that I want to say is one is everything is possible, right? I think everybody now believes that everything is possible. Number two is everyone needs to be prepared and innovate quickly. That's what we witnessed. And the most important thing is there is no, like, nothing is set in stone. If someone would say, hey, you know, people can move around and do their job remotely and it will be all good or mostly all good or even more productive, nobody would believe that. But we have a policy or this is how we did things for centuries. And it all went out of the window in a matter of weeks and months. And 
that's a great example that we need to be prepared for that disruption rather than trying to disrupt something. Let's just be, as a step one, be prepared for it. And as a step two, let's challenge the norms so that we can see if we can achieve better outcomes by being happier employees, by commuting less, by integrating our work with our life in a healthy way, whatever those things are. But I think the pandemic showed us the importance of innovation. And frankly, what it showed me and a lot of people that I know is life is short. And it's essential that we we sing our own song and we follow our own truth. And I think that's essential. Life is short. Yeah, no, that's great information because, you know, out of that pandemic came a lot of loss. Uh, I personally lost young people. The youngest was 34, one of my fellow writers, and he was 34 years old. And I was like, wait, what? I could, you know, way too young. So yeah, it made me really think about that too. And also it made me think, I don't want to spend an hour and a half commuting in the morning. I love the job, right? But do I have to like travel almost like an hour and a half to get there? And so, you know, those sorts of things. Luckily, don't remote working eliminates a lot of that. So you're right. It does it does shift. And um, I will also add that one common denominator I find with leaders who are successful, who I've interviewed on the show, it's always an ability to be flexible in a time of adversity. They had a challenge that life threw at them. And in most cases, a lot of businesses, it was COVID and they had to figure out how to, the bottom line had to be still met, right? They had to they had to make income, so there's a lot of innovation with those businesses too, and that's a really big successful like common denominator I found with uh, CEOs, successful people, and it stems across personal life and professional life as well, right? Just to have those abilities to just to take like what we said, just take life as it comes and be willing to be flexible. That's the big deal. Yeah, it's and again that goes back to just having a, an open mind. Right. It's, it's really being open minded. And if I think uh, about the companies that were, that really succeeded during the pandemic or were able to pivot, these are small businesses. And the reason they were is because everybody was had a vested interest and everyone was engaged and everyone had a voice. Mm -hmm. And I think as those small businesses grow or as we build businesses, I feel it's essential that we keep that in mind as we grow our organizations. Or as we expand our families or, or, or build our communities. That is the key. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. And do you think right now, going forward, that you can see, are there any, well, we don't, we can't predict pandemics and hopefully we won't have to go through that again, but any other challenges that you kind of see right now facing the tech industry that maybe concerns you or that you think that, you know, people maybe should be aware of? I'm going to assume for me, uh, it's AI, but I don't know what you would think about that. But what do you see as challenges for the tech industry right now? Yeah, I feel just generally challenge for society is the artificial intelligence. When I, when I look at what's happening with AI and different tools, the way it's going to affect uh, our world is tremendous. It's, it's probably the biggest disruption that I've seen since the actual development of the World Wide Web and e-commerce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to say how it's going to be regulated or where it's going to go, but it's definitely going to impact majority of the jobs. I'm not saying they will be eliminated, but we will have, a, in a way, a co-pilot of some sort in our life, uh, which is the artificial intelligence. And um, my advice to myself was, Alex, you, you better go and learn 
everything you can about AI <laughs> yeah. and learn to use it and understand it. And now I'm in the technology field, but my advice to every listener, no matter what field they're in, is to go and play with uh, ChatGPT or other tools mm. and try to pick up as many AI skills as possible. Yeah. I feel at this point, it's rapidly going to become a number one skill. And if used wisely, this can save a lot of time. And that's a pretty cool thing to kind of to leverage. Excellent advice, words of wisdom from Alex Goryachev. And this is the book here. I'm going to get it out of my light so people can see it again. And it is called Fearless Innovation, A No-Nonsense Guide. Alex, thanks so much for being here today on Motivational Mondays. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.